0: Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the no-fluff actionable marketing podcast for marketers, marketing consultants, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Vernier. In today's episode, you'll learn how to market your marketing agency when all you've been doing is client work. Um, My guest today is the founder and CEO of Sales Schema, which is a lead generation company for boutique marketing agencies. He's the author of Mastering Account Management and the B two B Sales Blueprint, and he also hosts uh, the Digital Agency Growth Podcast as a fellow podcaster. And we have two things in common. He also practices Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which I've started actually uh, recently. So I'm pretty sure you're, you know, you'd be able to do a few things that I can't do. But still, we have two things in common. So, Daniel Blunder, welcome aboard. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think we can just do the whole show about about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu now if you want to. Yeah, it's not going to last long. I know nothing about it. Uh, <laughs> I can only submit you in one or two ways uh, that I've learned. So it's not it going to work. Be that,
1: that it could be enough sometimes. So.
0: so, why do marketing agencies do good work for their clients, for mo- most of them, but suck at marketing themselves? What's going on there?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think there's, there's oftentimes different, different things happening. I think the, the biggest thing that happens is that people get into um, marketing and they get into ag- the agency space because they have some sort of creative specialty, right? So they're, they might be good at building websites. or so they might be good at social media or copywriting, and they never really fashion themselves as having to be a salesperson. And, and they've never re- really understood that that has to be an ongoing job that somebody at the company is doing every single day. You know, it's not like it's something you get to pause on, it's like going to the gym, you know, <laughs> you don't get to just stop doing it because you lost your five pounds. It's something that you do because you feel good and you're, you're healthy. And same goes for making your business healthy, basically. So I think that's probably the biggest reason is that people haven't really um, understood that that's, that's their job and somebody has to be doing it. And there's lots of other reasons I can get into, but I'll, I'll start with that.
0: Yeah, thanks for starting with just one. So just to repeat it to make sure I understand, they they are creative people, they are not salespeople. So they, they start an agency for the the love of the, the love of the craft, in a sense, you know, they could be copywriter, expert designers, or whatever. But they're not like starting an agency to say, you know what, I'm so good at selling to people that I'm going to start a marketing agency and then I'll figure out the marketing stuff later.
1: Exactly, and and I think that it's worth pointing out that sales can really suck. You know, it's a, it's some people love it. It's a rare person, a rare breed to love it. So it's very easy to say, well, okay, I've got my clients for the next X months. We're doing good work. I don't really want to get on sales calls, um, but yet yeah, you must because you know it's going to take time to tee up the deals that happen after those clients are done or they leave or whatever bad thing happens or, or which will happen, you know, because it's just what, what happens in the agency space. Clients leave, so so you know I think that it takes it takes building the mindset that this is something that that you do, and then eventually you can. There can come a time where you hire someone to to do that. But if that this we're going on a different topic. But if that happens too early, the problems could happen could
0: come up. So, so before I ask you about more reasons why agencies suck at this, um, you actually na- named this problem the the cobblers children problem. And so I didn't Google it on purpose because I want to know what the fuck is that.
1: Yeah, it's kind of one of these like old timey American idioms, and it's not it's not even my invention. And in using it in this context, I have to give some credit to Drew McClellan, who's the big agency thought leader as well, not as well is more, more so than me. Um, but I would say that basically the idea is, is the the Calvary children have no shoes, you know, client agencies are very good at doing work for their clients and they treat their clients, you know, very, very, very special attention. They're shipping on lots of compelling stuff. But when it comes to marketing themselves, they're often dropping the ball. And this plays out in a lot of different ways where the agency's website is from 20 years ago. And, or, or the more the most common way, even if the website is old looking, I'll talk to agencies where I'll, like, who are your clients? What sort of business are you doing? And they're like, well, 80% of our clients are travel tourism. And I'm looking on the site and I'm like, well, why are there 500 verticals here? Why do you guys have food and beverage when 80% of your clients are, fo- are in one particular area? So I think that a lot of the times agencies aren't heeding the age-old copy and marketing and psychology best practices, which is really the idea that you know, you need your your prospects need to understand that they're in the right place, whether they're on their site or they're talking to you or they're reading a proposal or, or whatever.
0: Thanks for the explanation. So, apart from so apart from this first reason, which is most most agency founders and and, and our principals or people who are part of this agency uh, funding team are, are not salespeople by nature, mostly creatives. What's, what are other reasons in your experience for this problem?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think some other ones are, you know, there there's a lot of head trash around sales in general, and the idea that I'm I'm you know the work should speak for itself, and all of this stuff that if 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 um if I'm not just getting my clients through referrals and people getting kind of warmly introduced to me, if I have to go knock on somebody's door and convince them to buy, it somehow puts me in a a worse position, and that's that's not going to work. And by all means, like if your agency has Compelling enough story where you can sustain yourself from referrals forever. By all means, you know that if you're happy and you're confident about that, that's fine. But I think what we're finding is there's you know 120,000 marketing agencies in the U.S. today, more more abroad. Uh, so uh, I think just yeah, so just please.
0: before we we move on, by marketing agency, what do we describe? Like what do we mean? What's the definition here?
1: Marketing service company. And let's be honest, 120,000, you're not competing against every single one of those, you know, if you're listening to this. But suffice to say, anybody that has an internet connection can become somebody that could solve your client's need, you know, whether that's an in house solution or a consultant or another agency or whatever. So the idea that even if you're doing great work, you're going to have this sort of infinite supply of inbound business, I think is a, is a little overconfident. So it really takes being, getting used to, The hard problem of being able to knock on a door um, and and convince somebody to to work with you, basically, right? Okay. Any other
0: reason why uh, marketing agencies struggle with this?
1: Well, I think a lot of it is just uh, time and and planning as well. I think I think a lot of it is um, created by consultants and people in my business, you know, trying to sell them all the options under the sun. There's lots of shiny objects that make it really hard. Where it's like, buy the software product, set up your CRM perfectly, invest. Thousands of dollars into this massive CRM that's meant for consumer marketing. Um, there's all these different tactics you can do, and I think there's just a lot of wheel spinning as opposed to simplification and time. You know, I think a lot of it's people are thinking too much about the how as opposed to the who. Like, who's handling this? Who's motivated to handle this? Who are we assigning to, to fix this problem? So I think that's another big reason.
0: Okay. Any anything else before we move on to actually
1: solving this problem? um probably there's probably other things but yeah i think i think the main thing is is just agencies aren't aren't thinking enough about who who is focusing on the sales issue and if you're a an owner and you're looking around you can't identify that person that should be doing it it's probably you
0: yeah usually it is okay so i think you've nailed the problem pretty well and and that's something i can see just, you know, I, I live in Dublin, Ireland, uh, and, and it's probably the same for any major city, but the number of digital marketing agencies or marketing agencies in the city center is absolutely crazy, insane, right? And they offer relatively the same thing. And their website is just, you know, it's, it's outdated. And I used to have an own, my own agency and it was the same. It's so incredibly difficult to actually get on top of your own segmentation. As like you said, the who in terms of the customers. To have like a clear positioning that you keep up to date and all of that. So, how to make sure that we don't make this mistake, right? Let's let's go through that. So when you when you advise agencies uh, when they struggle with this problem, where do you start? What is the step number one?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I, I, the first thing is is you know we're never creating the value proposition for an agency. We're never figuring out what makes. We're never like creating something for them. They've already created it. They've just cluttered it a lot, and a lot of the times, what we're doing first is peeling back the layers and figuring out where their value um, actually lives. And they they know it, you know. They just need some help, kind of getting rid of the stuff that doesn't matter. So that can mean different things in different situations, but usually it means we're getting it packaged in a way where we can put it into a cold email, or put it into a LinkedIn message, or a pitch to you know podcasts like like the one we're on right now, you know, to get our clients on there. So. What that often means is we're starting with figuring out, what, you know, where do you guys have a true niche? Where do you guys have uh, a specific market that you have a real edge over? Now that creates a lot of um, anxiety for lots of agencies because they have clients that are all over the map, and they're scared that they're going to alienate some people. And there is risk. Let's be honest; like there is risk in deciding over time that I'm going to focus on this one area. But there is there's there's risk that it's not going to work. But there's almost a definite certainty that it won't work at all if you don't do that because the whole agnostic agency forever run model from all the data I'm getting and there could there's definitely exceptions out there uh is is fading you know so i think first and foremost it's about figuring out who who you're focusing on and, and what problem you're solving and for our purposes it's doing what the agency already has and just kind of packaging it the right way if that makes sense And i'll start with that i don't want to get too far ahead of us of ourselves but
0: yeah so let's dig into that right because that's an interesting thing, you know, this self-doubt. Like, I can see, to me, this problem of niching down or positioning your agency is not a rational problem in a sense that it's not something that they don't know. They completely yeah. get it when you explain it rationally. You know, yeah. they completely get it then when you ask, when you need a plumber to fix your weather system, weather filtering system, you just don't get a handyman. You get a plumber who deals with weather filtering system, right? I'm talking sure. about this example because, you know, uh, I had this problem uh, yeah. a few days ago, right? And so it's the same for agencies. So they understand that rationally, but when it comes to the emotional side, the the the, the lethal brain, you know the, the, the reaction, it's like, oh no, it's it's risky, not for us. It's it's good to give this advice to everyone else, but for us, no. Right? So how do you go about it? How do you peel back the layer? How do you convince them, listen, this is probably what you need to do?
1: It's a good question. And I think the first thing is that a lot of the times, you, we have to get our clients used to the idea of, of this is going to sound like cliche, kind of like personal guru schlock, but but abundance, you know, the idea of abundance, um, because they've been dealing with referrals and the people that they might happen to get introduced to, they might be have worked with a few clients for years. And the idea of their client seeing their site and, fit and thinking, I'm not going to be a fit for them anymore is, is really... Uh, Anxiety-inducing. So the the very problem that they have with not being able to proactively generate their business is what's causing the anxiety. Because every business has to make the hard choice of deciding who they're going to focus on long term, and then not you can't make everyone happy. So I think there's also like a lot of a lot of liberation in that idea. Uh, a lot of comfort in knowing that you just can't make everybody happy. Your, your agency isn't going to be for everybody. And you're, you might have to have an uncomfortable conversation with the client that, you know, doesn't want to, isn't happy with you anymore. But but here's the other thing is a lot of this is just psychological. It's just, um, it's, it's just people's fears and the clients that, you know, don't fit the homepage aren't firing you necessarily right away. They, they, a lot of the times it's not even coming up because they, you, you've done great work for them. And if you haven't, that's, you know an issue in itself and you're going to have to deal with that anyway but if you're doing great work you you're you're probably going to have this junk drawer of clients that don't fit where you're going and that's not that's a, that's okay they still could stick with you for a while so I'm not sure if that answers the question but that's kind of the the first thing we're we're doing
0: no no it does it does so practically speaking how do you as to use your own words how do you peel back the layers like how do you go to the core what is your method for this
1: well, you know, I wish there was some, you know, fancy, incredible method. A lot of the times, it's just kind of obvious. It's just, um, it's more so that our clients can't see the the forest from the trees because um, they're they're stuck in it. And, I, and I'm, by the way, it's nothing against them because I'm sure I've, I'm like that too in my own business. But I, I would say that, you know, we talk to them. We're like, you know, how much where's your where's your business coming from? And they'll say things like eighty percent of it is. This type of client, you know, and that's that's usually what's what's going on. Um, But yeah, but sometimes you know when there is um, stuff we need to peel back. The the way that I like to think of it is in terms. This is going to sound like it's it's not. It sort of makes the whole process sound less magical, you know. But I think it's a lot about keywords because when we're thinking, when we're reading emails or we're looking for a provider, like you mentioned plumbers, we're thinking in terms of keywords. We're busy. We want to get stuff done. And same goes for the CMO of a big company that might be hiring an agency. They're like, you know, this this is interesting. I want, I want, like, I want somebody that understands travel tourism, um, and I'm interested in social media and four other things. And I'll have that conversation now, you know. So, but but then the problem is we have to sort of get it to what is that tangible thing? What is that tangible service? So that's the first thing. The other thing is just the classic stuff that has worked in, in marketing that our clients should understand, but they forget about, which is a uh, uh, social proof, you know, scarcity. Like, have you, do you have a track record in our space? You know, you've worked with this other company. That means I want to talk to you because that's our competitor that, or whatever. or They're in our world. Um. So a lot of it is thinking in the same way as somebody that might be scanning through an inbox or or LinkedIn or whatever and what's going to really make them say this is yeah this is in our world they're using a terms of art like there's a lot of like jargon in particular industries that that's really important and people will will talk to you you know they, these CMOs are getting fired faster than anybody else in the C-suite. The tenure is like shorter than a GI case on. <laughs> uh, and they've got to innovate. They've got to come up with new ideas all the time. And they want specialist groups of people to help them. They really they really are starving for help. But the problem is the bar is very low for getting their attention. And the problem is agencies talk about themselves, that it's always we. We're really great. We're really smart as opposed to you. Here's a problem you might be dealing with. Here's our experience where we can help. You know, We should talk. We are world winning. We are all of this. Nonsense, all this stuff. Right? It's all we, we, we. You know. Um, here's what I is want is yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, no, no. It's this uh, what I want instead of what we want. Absolutely. Uh, instead of what the clients want. So talking about keywords, right? Let me share. Let me, me let me backtrack a bit and make sure I understand. So we are to, we are actually talking about SEO keywords. Like you do actually keyword analysis to understand what people search for. And therefore, like the type of services, the way you need to name certain things, right? Or am I did I misunderstand?
1: Not quite, and no worries. I, I was thinking of it more in terms of how we think, right? As opposed to SEO or something. SEO is its own animal. Um, I think that we could get into that. That's probably a rabbit hole. But um, I would say that you know that's that's probably less likely than the the way I meant it was the way that we, that we think when we're scanning through somebody pitching us is is this hitting the right notes? You know, is this okay? Yeah, and that's sort of keywords is more of a, the way that we're making decisions. You identify like keywords, like words,
0: the type of words that people, that the clients that this agency want to attract. Uh, you identify those words and, and try to make sure that makes sense for the.
1: Yeah, and, and maybe the keyword thing is a kind of sent us off in the in the like a slightly confusing um, angle, which is my fault. But it's more so about making making what the agency does uh, condensed and really highly understandable in a short amount of time. is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. So what
0: do you typically, what type of format or what, how do you typically like to do this? Like, is it? Is it, do you, do you like to, to put everything in one sentence, two sentences, one paragraph, one slide? Like, what's your method for this? And I know it's maybe not cookie cutter, like every single thing is the same, but overall, like what are the things that have seemed to work in the past for you? Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it's a good question. Um, and I think that, a lot of it is um it's it's about conveying you know th- that you've done the work that you've done the homework and sometimes that means using multiple channels and doing stuff that's harder because that shows that you understand a particular market more and that you're willing to put in the the time and effort so what that doesn't mean that there's no room for automation but to answer your question Sometimes we're pre-nurturing people on LinkedIn, so we're connecting with people first. We're putting a face to a name for our clients before we ask them for anything. And then when we're doing email outreach, we might have a short intro message. Um, it might be super casual. We've had messages that use profanity before that worked really well. You know, generally shorter is better, but longer you know longer could work too. Uh, and then we're we're asking for the meeting on on email because that's generally where we're making decisions, right? If you're in your inbox. You're not in your inbox to go have fun or like read articles. You're there to like get stuff done and make decisions. So that's usually the best place to do it. So from there, you know, if we're doing like multiple emails or we're doing a drip sequence or whatever, then in the follow up sequence might be where we link to other things. Now, it used to be that we would just link to case studies, you know, here's our work, here's what we've done for other clients, blah, blah, blah. Now, because there's so many agencies, and everybody can make a case study, I think they've kind of lost some of their power. Um, so what we've been doing now is linking to interviews and linking to placements and publication appearances and stuff that, that our clients have gotten. If they don't have those, then we'll, we'll, we'll do campaigns to get them those interviews, basically, and get them those placements. And that just goes a lot further. You know, If you're focusing on travel mm-hmm. and tourism, and then you're on one of the top Travel and tourism blogs, and if you don't think you can be on that, you probably can because I'm sure you have crazy, interesting stories to tell. You know, just like we're doing right now, then there's there's definitely a, you know an opportunity there. So typically, we'll link to that sort of stuff in terms of followership, um, and then that's that's going to give us a much higher conversion rate. But the idea is that you know there's there's buying cycles. Even if somebody's getting the message and everything's perfect, they might not be ready to talk to you right now. Um that's and that's okay. That's gonna be even if we're doing really well, that still might be ninety percent of the people we're reaching out to But what we want is for them to say, this was targeted, this was good, I like I want this person in my inbox, I'm not mad at it. Um, and then we, you know, we go on from there and we engage later.
0: So I, I feel we're missing a few steps. Uh so we're gonna go back to those, right? So sure the, step one, as you said, is, yeah, we're picking a niche. We're basically picking the niche that is obvious. Like we're not overthinking that the agency's kind of no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In their heart of hearts that this is what this to happen, but they haven't, you know, uh had the guts to to do it. And then yeah. you, you you jump into like actually cold emailing and need to ask you a few questions on cold emails. Uh sure. but before that you actually need to have a list of people to reach out to, right? Now, right. whether or not GDPR or CCPA or whatever you call it comes into play, sending an email unsolicited to to someone is
1: n- a no-go, right? I mean, how do you approach this? Uh, I, I don't think it is a no- go. You know, I, I think that if you're targeted enough, and and oftentimes, like what we've found is we're doing smaller batch campaigns, right? So we might be targeting we might be reaching out to twenty people in mm-hmm. a day and we' we'll do that a few times a week. Um, so if we have a client that's you know worked in a particular industry and there's there's not all that many people in it, they're honestly, you know they they need to be connecting with these people. So you uh, know in, in terms of compliance, you know, in terms of no-go in terms of like legal and stuff, that we're, you can do that in full compliance very easily. US has CAN-SPAM laws. That's that's very easily easy to comply with. Yeah, GDPR. You know, there's a lot of gray area there. I would say that if you're worried about GDPR, stick to LinkedIn. Do outreach that way. You can still kind of you know use a lot of the same approaches. But the idea is you know whether you're reaching out to podcasts to get in front of your audience, or you're reaching out specifically to to CMOs there. You're you're being proactive. You know, you're getting in front of in front of your audience, and the fact the fact is, when we're talking about busy marketing leaders and, and C level people, or wherever they are in a mid to large company, they might not want to have the same experience as everybody in the digital marketing space is is telling you to do. Like the people that are saying, set up webinars, do this, do that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but we're dealing with people that have a very short amount of time, and they want to know, you know, are you in my world? You're doing something interesting. Do you have a track record? Uh, and if so, you know I'm happy to talk to you. So, if if you, I would say it's it's worth reaching out to them <laughs> as long as it's done in the right way and you're not just mass blasting people in an untargeted fashion. So,
0: how do you reach out to them in a non-spammy way? Like, what's the what's the approach there?
1: It's a good question, and I wish there was a one size fits all template. Um, but it's really it's really contextual. But I, I'll I'll get as far into it as as I can. Um, again, I think it's it helps to put a face to a name. So if you can connect first on LinkedIn, we found that to work better as of late. You know, um, it doesn't mean you, that that's the only way, but that that does help. So then that way, like, what do you do if you get a you know Louis, if you get a cold email from somebody um, like us? You probably did like a, at least a minute of research. You go Google their name, you search on LinkedIn, you check out their site. We all we all do this before we like assign a half hour. So if you can if you can already cover your bases there before you reach out. That's probably the best way in terms of of the mechanics of this. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. We could get really far into that, but there's list builders you can hire. Um, LinkedIn Sales Navigator will tell you a lot. You know, so you can look from that. Uh, depending on the scale of what you're doing, this you can go try to guess the emails. And there's various online tools that will try to figure out if it's like Bob Smith at Acme.com or whatever. That's that's pretty straightforward. I'm sure that a Google search could get people pretty far there. And then from that, you know, if we want to get more technical, there's a lot about deliverability and I think that you know, we could get really far into the tactical stuff, but the main thing that's happening is that deliverability is moving in the right direction in my opinion. And it's sort of like SEO, do you remember when there were like SEO hacks and you could do a bunch of keyword stuffing and like rank your page. Deli- uh, outbound used to be like that too. And now it's not. And now the robots are getting smarter, so if you're sending the right kind of message, gen- generally speaking, to the right person, it's gonna get through. And if you're mass blasting and a bunch of people are marking you as spam, they're gonna shut down your domain. You're gonna to have to start over like in Pac-Man, basically. So so I think overall it's good. I think it's moving in the right direction.
0: So your your number one kind of go-to and number one advice for when agencies reach out to you and they they don't have a niche. That have like they are struggling. Like they, if they reach out to you, they struggle to get leads, right? They struggle to get more clients. They are in a position where it's a bit of an urgency, right, for them. I, I'm making assumption here.
1: Yeah, it, it's often it's sometimes an urgency, but oftentimes we won't take that business if there's too much urgency. You know, okay. we, we, we want so, our clients to be focused on growing as opposed to scared of, of of fading. If they're scared of fading, then we do training and coaching and stuff and show them how to do some of what we do in house. You know. But but generally we it's 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 going to take motivation to be getting on sales calls to to grow the agency basically and to get our clients where they right. need to be anyway. That's the first first thing.
0: So they're in this situation and and so your first advice is really like let's do some outbound marketing like let's reach out to people in the niche that you've chosen in the position that you've chosen. You need to make friends with those people. You need to connect with them, right?
1: Generally speaking, yes. So if our clients have a track record in a certain space, um we will we we feel good about outbound. If they're in a, moving into a new area or we've had clients say, "Yeah, I know we have a lot of track record in in legal, but we just really just do not want to work with lawyers anymore. <laughs> we've had that happen before. And we're like, okay, you know that's that's fair enough." Then what we often suggest doing is getting getting authority. So going on, the right circulars, the right podcasts, the right publications, and then we'll launch those campaigns for them. So it's still outbound, but it's outbound for the purposes of getting in front of a live digital audience, exactly like what we're doing. So I I would say that what's cool about that is like it's some work. You got to be interviewed, but it's less work than writing content. And you're going in front of a live audience, you're going in front of the right people. And then when you're done, you have content. You can use that content, you know, assuming the host or whoever's cool with it, you can you can repurpose it. So Oftentimes, if it's a new area, we'll start there.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that a, a, a bit more. Um, how do you typically identify those opportunities? Uh, and then let, maybe let's take a real example. You don't have to name the the client at sure. all. I don't really care about that. It's more like the the actual practice of, of doing it. So you can pick the the niche, right? If you want and Talk me through the way you would actually go about finding those opportunities, whether it's podcasts, publications, whatever.
1: Yeah, there, there's lots of online resources now, um, and, but but a lot of the times it's honestly just Google. You know, Google tells us a lot, and there's not an infinite number of these placements. You know, it could be the sort of thing where we're running campaigns for six months. We get clients on everything that they're going to get in that niche, and then we move on to a different a different tactic or a different approach. Um, and then and then from there, you know. We're not. We're less concerned with with the overall reach, although reach certainly does matter. We're we're more concerned with the quality of the content, the quality of the audience, um, and this is sort of getting to like bigger philosophical stuff. But our whole approach is that everything's moving to the long tail, everything's moving to to niching, um, and our clients should too. You know, and and same with what we're doing. You know, having having a, a media uh, entity it's focused on a particular area and solving your particular problem. So, and the fact is like most of our clients, it's not like we're starting them fresh. They're sitting on a gold mine. Most of the time they have all sorts of great stories to tell. They've worked with some of the biggest brands on earth in some cases, but they just haven't really thought to like go out there with that. Some of that is because I think it's just like irrational fear. They're like, Oh, I can't tell my client stories and okay. Maybe they have to anonymize some things like whatever they're on a, um, uh, not compete or something, but usually they're just they just haven't had the the time or the energy to go out there to the world with their stories. So that's that's something we're looking to help with.
0: And so, usually a sign of when you've picked an actually good niche, a good position in the market, something that is like specialized enough, you can't really have you don't have an infinite list of publications or podcasts you can reach out to, right? I mean it it shouldn't really you shouldn't have millions in front of you, um, the big ones at least.
1: Yeah. So what I would say is to kind of think of it in three different categories. Um, the first is is niche or industry areas. So yeah, and that, that list is not going to be infinite. So that could be whatever medical, travel, tourism, whatever you're focusing on. Uh, and it helps if you can have you know, your site, or even if it's a personal brand site, something that is geared towards that area, your agency side, and so on. The second category is marketing and advertising thought leadership in general, you know, perhaps like your podcast or mine, others that are bigger, like the ad weeks of the world and that sort of thing, if you want to go a bit bigger. Um, And that's really good for, you know, conversion rates, like you will say you have a proposal, and you have clients that are asking about a certain thing, then you can link to this, this authority piece you've done over in on a particular you know, interview or something, um, or, or even like recruitment. All that, all that stuff feeds into there. And then the third category is referral partnerships. So a lot of our clients and agencies are kind of like stumbling onto people that can refer business, as opposed to thinking really deliberately about it. So we're often doing campaigns to other non-competing agencies, to software companies, to event producers. Um, maybe those are people that have their own media entities, and you can use that as a way to. Help them out and get in, or, ha- or have them on, on yours if you have a media, if you have a podcast or something. So that's that's kind of the way the way to think about it. And I think that if you're going into a new area, a really great pitch is, "Hey, we've we're we're moving fresh into this new area, and we're taking the lessons we've learned from here and moving them over there. And there's lots of parallels and so on, and that can be like a, a good angle to take."
0: Okay, so that's this is really about doing some like content swaps and all of that, right? Like partnering up with them. So you you do you do like you invite them on their pod on your podcast, they invite you on your on their podcast, that kind of thing, right? You 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 lean on their audience, they lean on, on yours.
1: Uh, it could be that, or it could be just telling the stories that you haven't you haven't like made the the time or energy to tell. You know, like a lot of our clients have just really cool case studies, but they're sitting on some page somewhere collecting dust. And I don't mean case studies as in like literally the PDF, but I mean like the story of what they've done for a particular client. But they've just haven't gotten out there with them, you know. So I think that's that's the first thing. And and you know, there's other ways to do this. Like you could do it live. You could do it through speaking engagements. You could host events or breakfasts and that sort of thing. Um, I think that if you're really busy and you're with a small agency, the most bang for your buck is live digital placements. Is basically getting on other people's shows. And like you know, we both host podcasts. Getting guests on. Like we we get pitched a lot, but we don't get pitched that much by people who have a track record in a particular space. You know, if you've got an agency, you've got that track record, basically.
0: So live digital placements, apart from podcasts, what what else are we talking about here?
1: Um, it could be guest roundups. You know, uh, like like textual guest roundups could be. What else have we done? You know, it could be like like YouTube channels and that sort of thing. Although that's a little bit more B two C. It could be, and it could be you know actual media like more media stuff more towards the pr sort of realm you know answering reporter queries um and there's probably other things i'm forgetting about you know potentially live live speaking engagements that sort of thing but but yeah podcasts and publications and online publications are kind of the the
0: main focus live webinars potentially
1: yeah that's another thing um joint webinars um i think that You know, I haven't seen amazing applications when we're talking about kind of like bigger scale B2B deals, you know, that tends to skew a little more, like at least in my experience, and I'm sure there's exceptions, that tends to skew a little more towards software and towards kind of like smaller engagements and that sort of thing. But it definitely can work. You know, there's definitely a great way to get exposure.
0: Okay. So to go back to what you said, which is interesting, um, when... When you're a small agency, when you don't have a lot of time, from your experience, and again, it's your experience, and we need to be careful not to make like huge blanket statement. But yeah, you know, from your experience, doing those type of like as you call them, live digital placements, so like podcasts um, and all of the stuff that you can do quite quickly, like as you said, textual roundups or, or YouTube, even though it's more B two C, tends to work better than uh, because it's more bang for your buck. It's 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 less time invested, therefore. And good good, uh, good, results,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And, um, you know, like like I said, that you're, you're absolutely right. Like, I don't want to give people... I don't want to say our playbook's the only way to go. Um, I think that if you're starting from the right level of, like, what problem am I solving? Who am I solving it for? You might find that there's all sorts of other things that work a lot better, you know, depending on your audience. Like in... In medical, like one of our uh, not a client but an agency that we, we we work with a lot or talk to a lot, is focused on health and life sciences, and they host you know host an event where doctors can come network, you know, and they they've essentially owned that event, they've they've made it something they do every single year. We have another one of our clients is focused on cybersecurity, and they host a taco event focused on like just just cybersecurity companies, and then. They're hosting that every single year and that they've gotten like countless deals from from that sort of thing. So, you know, that's all these things are in in the cards. I think that if you're starting fresh, there's a lot to be said for podcasts and live publications because, yeah, again, it's less time. And also, I think we're I think there's a bit of an early mover advantage because we're still in sort of the earlier stages of podcasts. And, uh, you know, we're we're building up, you know, our, our repertoire here and there could come a day where... Podcasts are in every single car, and yeah, there's you can easily listen to podcasts in your car now. But you know, people that are a little bit older m- might not be doing that as easily. So I think that once that's embedded, like once everybody has a new car with internet technology, drive time podcasts are going to become much more of a reality than they are now. So that's uh, that's another thing to think about.
0: Yeah, and I do receive a lot of emails from listeners saying I'm listening to a podcast in the car, and then because it's uh, actionable, uh, they um, they tend to uh to have to stop on the side of the road and actually take notes and all of that. Okay, we've covered we've covered the the things that you would do if um when when you don't have a lot of time, you're a small agency, small size, etc. So digital life placement, uh live digital placement, that's all good. But then what I'm wondering is honestly, it seems like most agencies tell the same story in some ways, right? Like you always kind of hear the same the same terms like digital transformation and all of that so how do you advise agencies to actually when they get placed when they actually have a story to tell to tell a story that makes sense that people will actually notice
1: yeah it's it's a good question and the main thing is like the risk of sounding cliche is just the humanity of it you know like focusing on what you actually went through to build the agency what were your clients have gone through why they hired you what were they worried about when they hired you what 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 did you? How did you help them? What were some times you you screwed up? What were some times like? Well, what were projects? What did they look like when they didn't go well? And then also success stories in addition to the success. Uh, what do you like to do in your spare time? What kind, what kind of culture are you building in the agency? These are all things that are that are really interesting to, to talk about. We just uh, I just got off the phone with an agency today that owns a, a fight league. They bought they bought like an amateur MMA league. What's the industry? What did they do? Uh, I, I don't want to go into too many details yet because it's still kind of early on. But basically, they do uh, they do lots of uh, social media, like you know, lead generation for consumers, and then through their travels, they bought they bought a, a fight lead, basically.
0: Yeah, so that's something worth worth sharing, right? So you would advise instead of just going and it very like, what should I say, it's in a salesy way, we just say you should you should buy from us, like we're the best in the world, we won these awards, and those are all of our clients. It's more about tell a story, a, a story from a vulnerable, like a vulnerable standpoint, right? Like the origin story, the struggles, the the reality behind the business.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The origin stories, and then the tactical stuff does does matter too. Like obviously, we've gone into a good amount of tactical stuff on this episode, and I think that you know the more the more that you can talk about in that regard, that can be really that can be really helpful. So just the sort of things that because I, I think that a lot of the times. Everyone assumes that there's like a standard best practice for, for everything. And the fact is, like we're all kind of navigating this for the first time, like all of this world of digital marketing. And, you know, what does it look like when you hire an influencer agency versus this other agency? And like a big company is now juggling several different agencies, sometimes like a small a small army of agencies they're dealing with. So they don't really know what should or shouldn't happen, and the stuff that you take for granted, the stuff that you just assume everybody knows, probably black magic to them, you know. So I think the bar is probably lower than a lot of your listeners think to, to getting on different shows. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, and it's all about I think imposter syndrome and self doubt and all of that, right? It's like this diagram of like the what you think other people know and what you what you know and your story is always worth sharing. You internalize a lot of stuff, a lot of knowledge throughout the years that you take for granted that everyone knows, but it's not the case, right? Yeah. And so even telling what you think is basic works. Like just to give me to give you a quick example with this podcast, right? I used to be worried about, oh what if I interview someone who's talked about a similar subject than a prior guest? you know, like I want to cover every topic, but then you know what if i repeat myself or whatever but actually it never happens because every every guest brings its own story there is always something new a different angle and more than that repetition is key as well so even if you repeat something that you've heard before it doesn't mean it's bad right um, yeah. and and foundations are as important as anything so yeah i connect with that a lot so that's what we that's what you found to be very
1: effective yeah Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then even for my own podcast, like I used to have a fear, like, oh, this person's like competing with me, like our clients could hire them too. And then, you know, more recently, I'm sort of like, so what? You know, that's they should hire both of us. And if that happens, at least they're investing in themselves and investing in marketing. And um, I certainly get a lot from having people on that approach the same problem in a different way, you know. So, uh, yeah, definitely agree.
0: Yeah, can be quite selfish on this. You can learn from them by interviewing them, but more than that, I think making friends with your competitors—like it's not a fucking war at the end of the day. A lot of people will make you think it is, but it's not. The world is big enough. If you if you have a strong positioning, the world is big enough, and it's okay. And you know, I have multiple example of freelancers or agencies partnering up with each other, uh, solving the same problem, partnering up they hear, like they received the pitch from uh, from the same company and they just partner up whoever wins you know it's it's win win so for everyone
1: yeah exactly and that's one way to do that and i had a, a agency consultant named carl sekus on our show that's going to be coming out soon but he he basically made the point that that's kind of where things are moving in the agency space is, is the idea of like a front end and a back end agency so if you're a front end agency you're doing all the sales and marketing and client generation and you're dealing with the client service the relationship and you have a back end agency that's executing, and I think that that's that's becoming much easier to manage because there's a lot less holding risk. You, you know, you have fewer employees, um, and you really get to specialize on either selling yourself or actually doing the work instead of having to do both of those things, which can be you know a whole lot to keep up with. Uh, so, so that's that's a big trend that, that we're seeing these days.
0: Right. Well, Dan, thanks so much for going through this kind of step by step. I have a few more questions I always ask at the end of the of the episode, but. Before that, is there anything I should have asked you I haven't uh, on this process? Is there anything in particular you'd like to, to talk about?
1: Oh man, um, I actually liked the questions that, that you you put there. So maybe we can, we can go to those because I don't have a great answer. I think you co- we covered a lot. So.
0: Great. Okay. So yeah, the first one I love asking is what do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I, I think in the next 10 years, it's going to be about survival, honestly, survival and, and doing well because there's just, you know, because of the internet and because of everything globalizing and because of, you know, the language barrier becoming less of an issue and all of these things. Yeah, they've, they've already happened and are happening, but they're just going to get even more so. So I think in the next 10 years, it's going to be about finding a niche on some level, um, doing the work, investing in, in getting yourself out there uh, and so on, even more so than the agencies have had to in the previous periods in 20 years I think I think it's going to be about innovating around the how while keeping the, the who and the what consistent so you know I think it's going to be about being specific about the problem you're solving and who you're solving it for and figuring out how to navigate the technology and the people you need to hire um, and all of these things that are going to be changing even faster than they are now 50 years is a long time. <laughs> so I would say in 50 years, it's going to be about looking at what's worked historically and going back to basics and not losing sight of that. So that's going to be the best practices of psychology and all the you know, philosophy and all, all these other areas that aren't so tactical. It's going to be about not losing sight of those things.
0: Agreed. What are the top three resources you recommend our listeners?
1: Uh, for top three. So I, I I like to. I'm kind of going more towards older books these days, and kind of keeping it in the sales and marketing realm for this. There's one that I really like called uh, "Breakthrough Advertising" by Gene Schwartz, um, and he was this like he was an ad agency copywriter. And this book's kind of hard to track down. You can you can find PDFs online. It's probably the best way. It's not too. You can find it though if you look. And it's a, it's a really great book. And it, it talks about the different stages of market awareness and the different levels of skepticism. And you know, every time I've reread it, it's just even more real than it was a few years before. So, um, so that one's really good. I think that in terms in terms of sales, the Challenger sale, which is by CEB, has been really good. And I think that it's it's sort of like it's sort of you know just a good sales book for our era because it's much more about teaching tailoring taking control it's less about I'm gonna ask you a million questions and sculpt my offer to your needs and it's more so about like we solve these specific problems in a specific way so I think it dovetails with everything that we're talking about and the third one I'm honestly looking at my uh, my bookshelf right now you know I think at the risk of, of, of sort of like leaning into a cliche Silicon Valley book zero to one by Peter Thiel has been been really Valuable. He has a single chapter on sales that I think is more interesting and more um, true than you know 90% of the sales books out there. And he basically goes into, you know, just different the, the idea of how to price things. Um, the idea that there could be a no man's land where you're not charging enough to actually cover your cost of acquisition, the idea of sales being hidden, like the best sales in the world are. Not right out in front of you. It's happening, you know, without you knowing it. And and the, and also the idea that that sales and marketing and all this stuff isn't like a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a tool like anything else. It's like a knife, you know, can be used for cutting a steak or for hurting somebody, you know. So it's, it's just a, that, those those three have been pretty good for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. The book is great. The guy himself is that's another story. Uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of stuff he's doing that are a bit. Uh, Really shady, and I would understand why he would say that a knife could be
1: uh, good or bad in this occasion. Well, I, to, to be fair, that's uh, that. Those weren't his words. That was kind of my, you know, something I've asked. You know, I know, but the idea behind it, I, I've read
0: the book as well. Uh, I need to reread actually, and the sales chapter it made me think of rereading it. But yeah, makes I love the, the the recommendation. I have never heard of the first one, so I shall try to find the PDF online as you said. We see what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wish they republished it; that would make things easier.
0: <laughs> it's weird. It's weird uh, if it's such a good book. So, where can uh, listeners connect with you, learn more from you?
1: Yeah, the best place um, is, is our podcast. If they if they'd like to check that out, and again, it's just the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. We uh, are putting out episodes each week with with a- agency leaders, um, with people on the brand side, software, and so on. Um, and our company, you know, if we can help anybody out there, you just want to talk, learn more about what we're doing, is a sales schema. Dot com, um, sales is in sales schemas and schematic and um, I, I always read and answer emails just Dan sales schema dot com.
0: Awesome. Right well, Dan, thanks so much. Thanks especially for sharing your kind of step by step and the stuff you, you recommend your own clients and thanks also for your your resource recommendation. it's been a pleasure. Yeah, likewise Lily,
1: really appreciate it. Thank you.
2: See you on the other side.